my friends, you're listening to Autism and Us with me, Maisie. My five-year-old son was diagnosed with autism a year ago. And if I'm honest, I didn't know anything about autism. Oh wait, I'd seen Rain Man in the 80s. At the beginning, I felt devastated, isolated and afraid. Diagnosis day, the darkest of my life. It wasn't the masses of written information I was given that helped me. It was sharing stories with other Spectrum parents I met along the way, giving me tips and advice, and most importantly, made me feel like I'm not alone. I am no expert and don't claim to be. I'm a parent at the start of my journey. Each episode, I will be talking to a parent or a close family member of someone with autism, and they will share their story from the early years to diagnosis to present day. Welcome to Autism and Us. Today, I'm joined by J-Rock. J-Rock is in the band Big Brothers. He talks to me about his son, Richard Michael. So today I am talking to uh, J Rock uh, and <laughs> a musician, and right. J Rock, and uh, about his son Richard Michael. Yes. Um, so I'd like—I really like to start uh, these uh, podcasts with uh, to talk about your life before mm-hmm. your son was born. Wow. Um, yeah. So we go right back, rewind to the beginning, where you okay. were born, and, and kind of um, how how we would know you as J Rock. Awesome. I mean, this is probably the first time I'm going to be able to articulate in an interview. So it's a really good subject. Um, I was born in Ghana, um, in West Africa in 1978. Uh, My dad was a diplomat and uh, he was stationed in the US in Washington, D.C. So uh, before I was one years old, I moved over to the States and... uh, So life began for me. So America was blessed for me. I mean, I had such a great time. By the time I was three, I was in um, schools. And I think that's where people started to notice my differences also. Didn't really speak in school very much. And the teachers were were always telling my parents that I was in some kind of shell that I couldn't get out of. And my parents were like, what is this? You know, um, he's so normal at home. But, you know, he obviously behaves differently at school. So, Were you into music? Um, like, were you kind of really interested <laughs> in music when you were little? Yes, but like, not as you might think. Um, obviously, coming from a hip-hop background, people think I just listen to rap music. Not, not the case. Like, when I was a kid, I was very much into musicals. So I used to um, watch... The Wizard of Oz a lot. <laughs> Judy Garland's like my dream girl. I love her. Absolutely. So that was the first album I ever bought. The Wizard of Oz soundtrack, if you can believe that. That's You've got taste. I'm serious. <laughs> Oliver as well. It's one of my favourites. Absolutely. So, you know, I was very much into um, musicals, musical uh, movies and musical soundtracks. Anything like that I was into. Orphan Annie was like one of my favourites also. And, um, yeah, I suppose I I developed a love for music at that stage. Like, my sisters became um, cheerleaders and stuff, and they were always doing routines and cheers. And um, I guess that's where I developed a love for rapping or delivering words in a certain way. When did you move to um, the UK? Because, obviously, for people um, that are listening... um, Uh J-Rock um, was part of the uh, band Big Brothers, uh-huh. um, which are a MOBO award-winning band. Um, sure. and had many your f- awards. Many yes, awards. and had your first uh, hit, New Flow, uh-huh. in 2002. Right, but yeah. um, talk to me a bit how, about how that came to be and how uh-huh. you b- became part of that, um, that band. Yeah, well, we moved to the UK in 1984. I was about six years old. 
Um, I started going to different schools and stuff, as you can imagine. Like when we first moved here, we used to live in Kensington. We moved from Kensington to um, New Cross, funnily ooh, enough. Ooh. Yep. <laughs> so um, from South East London, I went to a school called Edmund Waller. Um, and, you know, it was a pretty huge difference to what I, I was imagine. used to because obviously I'm coming from a... Um, how do you call it? A diplomatic background. I went to private schools. I went to, I went to school chauffeur driven. So when I was in New Cross, I pretty much lived across the road from the school. It was all new to me. Through school, anyway, I, d- I developed a love for music, and um, yeah, people used to just call me the rapper. That's the rapper over there. This, that, and the other. Funny story when Crisscross came out. I don't know if you remember them, yeah. but um, they sang "Jump, Jump." And I, I suppose I heard it on the radio really early. So I was like, did you guys hear me on the radio? And they will be like, no, who are you? And I said, no, I got a new record out. It's called Jump Jump. And everyone thought I was crisscross for a hot minute. And at that point, I really knew that if I don't become a musician, people are going to laugh at me for the rest of my life. And you did it, man. You did it. That's, that's cool. I eventually got there, yeah, with Big Brothers. But again, that's a long story. I mean... Probably from the age of sixteen, when I when I had finished my GCSEs, and um, there was a stage when I had left England again. Maybe I was fourteen. I was having like dramas with different groups, street gangs, and this and that. So my mum and dad thought it would be easier if I went back to America. I didn't really have any discipline at that point. Oh right, yeah. And this was a point where, obviously, I had been living with my mum and dad forever I had never been away from them for any duration of time so to have this much freedom was probably a bad idea <laughs> so when I went to the states although I went to high school and had a great time I mean I got involved with the wrong crowds and stuff a lot of people were just pointing out to me that I was different again and I didn't want to be different and my I suppose my rapping and stuff like that brought me to the center of everybody's attention at all times. Yeah. Um, I was probably one of the best rappers in in the DC area at the time, Virginia also. Was it when you came back that you mm-hmm. uh, made your way into into the band? Yeah, I was in a group called Out for Justice before Big Brother, so everybody knew me as J Rock from Out for Justice. The producers of Big Brothers were trying to get deals personally, and the first one to get signed was Skills. Um, he's the guy behind New Flow and maybe Favorite Things. And okay, um, Fingers did uh, Baby Boy and a few others for us. But he, uh, Skills was the first person to get signed from us. And basically he got signed to Sh- uh, Jonathan Shallot, who is um, at the time Shallot Global, now Raw Global. And um, when he got signed to Shallot, I was like, Jonathan, you can't take him and don't take me and Jonathan was like why is that and I said because all the songs that you like from him are actually my songs (laughs) so with that being said you cannot sign this guy and not sign me so Jonathan thought that was pretty clever thinking I suppose and he was like look pick the best six of you guys and let's go for it so I chose Sharice, Nadia, Dion and obviously my homeboy Randy um but we used to work with Randy's brother called Derek. But unfortunately, he was in jail during that time and, and we didn't have time to wait. So we brought, brought, uh, brought in Flawless as a replacement and uh, we kept it moving. So that was the 
story of Big Brothers That's, getting together. So I remember Big Brothers <laughs> being massive, and yeah. I I always because um, at that time you know like Top of the Pops. Oh yes, yes. It's like big, and you got CD to do, UK yeah CD UK. Else. You got to do that. Yeah. Like you're literally living the dream. Absolutely. And um, but I'm really interested to know how um, the birth mm. of your son. Yeah. Um, kind of how the two lives are sort of parallel in terms of where you, if you're happy to talk about it, were you yeah. with your partner during this time or sure. when did it sort of, um, okay, j- so just before your son was born, like what was happening yeah, yeah, yeah. in your life? Um, so I suppose we had done Big Brothers for about four years. So it was 2006. We were getting ready to do Eurovision Song Contest, Making Your Mind Up. And um, my partner at the time had... <clears throat> had already had a child in a previous relationship. I had adopted our daughter, Demai, um, and we were moving on happily as anything. But obviously at this point, I was like, I've got enough money, I'm successful enough, let's have some more children. Um, and we had loads of difficulties getting pregnant. I mean, we were together for 11 years before Richard was conceived, you know. Um so through all of the ups and downs in our relationship yeah, it's, a long we, t- it's a long time absolutely we finally got there and Richard was conceived so at which point Richard was born 2008 so it was just after the 2006 2007 Eurovision making right. up your mind making your mind up sorry and um, we were obviously over the moon you know as soon as she said she was pregnant I had visions of this guy being the next England striker maybe the best rapper after myself <laughs> you do you have and all these like dreams big absolutely. dreams yeah it was the most exciting moment of my life i mean more than you know what chart position are you going to make this week or whatever this was the most exciting time ever for me and obviously him being born was was the best and moment where was he born <laughs> where where was he born he was born in newham general okay. in uh, east london east we used london. to live in stratford at the time and uh, yeah, he was born in Newham General. He had a like almost a cheeky little smile on. And um, at that point, we just started calling him Happy. We wasn't sure what his name was going to be. So he was just happy boy to us. He just smiled, laughed, made us so joyful every day. There was never a point where we thought, ah, something might be up here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we continued as normal. You know, we went to the GPs, you know, filled in our red books. As far as we were concerned as parents, he was hitting all of his markers. And, you know, we weren't really concerned at all. For me, it's a condition that is very much in my family line. Um, I have cousins who have autism. Certainly two of them that I know closely, uh, you know, had terrible autism. And when I say terrible autism, I mean just not high functioning. So they were, yeah, absolutely. So they weren't speaking until they were seven or eight. But now that they're in their 20s, they've kind of followed me into the music industry. They're rappers now and stuff like that. So again, so, so I want, the, you know, there's, there's all, you know, there's a, you know, a potential genetic link. There's absolutely. When we were given the, um, <laughs> the diagnosis, it was quite funny because he was he was saying that Richard's limbs were hypermobile, and I was like, "That's a good thing." He was saying his ears are hypersensitive. I was like, "Awesome!" His eyes are really good. This that. So like you'll see him looking at the corner of his eye, but he's actually taking in loads of information. I was like, "Yes, this is." I knew he was like Superman, just like me. And then he was given a diagnosis of autism. So I was like, "Okay." 
what is autism? <laughs> that was the first time I bothered to look into it because I was certain that Richard didn't have this thing. Richard's two, is he, when he when you get the diagnosis? Yeah, when we got the final diagnosis, he was two. Okay, yeah. and then the next couple of years, how do they look? Okay, so... In terms of, like, <laughs> ed- as he starts seeing... And I'm really interested to know as well how um, Richard is presenting at this point in mm. terms of, does he start to talk? Does he start to become verbal? No, no. Like, at that point of regression, yeah. he never recovered. Right. So, so he's like my, my Charlie... Absolutely, he's non-verbal, but he's 10. I think Richard has always been, or has always had an eye-catching smile, so people just leave him to it. And I've never wanted that for him. I don't want you to just leave him to it, because being one of those kids that was left to it, I know how much you're missing when you're not a part of the actual class, when you're being allowed not to follow lessons and structure. You just end up in your own world almost by accident well, that's the thing isn't it it's like the misconception <laughs> of children with autism especially non-verbal is that mm-hmm. they don't want to be they don't want to have fret well they mm. they're happy to be on their own but actually they do get lonely but they exactly. just don't know how to make a friend or exactly. how to start a conversation exactly. um so when did um so at about three or four i'm talking mm-hmm. well, about my son's five now yeah so when richard was about five did the realization um because for me i'm sort of in that stage now i mean mm-hmm. charlie might get some more words he might yeah. be able to have a functional conversation but mm-hmm. I, um, at the moment I'm not sure that's going to happen sure. and for me that's quite a hard thing to swallow in terms of I was always kind of waiting for him to just you just wish speaking. that it would sometimes you think <laughs> it would go away you know one I day know. he's going to wake up and he's going to be he isn't going to have autism um, so but when hey, he, it does happen you know so I mean keep the optimism it does happen as I say like my cousins for instance didn't speak until they were seven or eight yeah I think one of them started speaking at around nine or ten I have the same kind of um, optimism for Richard I know he can communicate to some degree. He can type. He can write now. He's 10 years old. So, you know, but it was when he started typing. I wasn't ready for that. Wow. I was like, who wrote Beyonce in his um, in his iPad? And everyone was like, what do you mean? <laughs> so I deleted it and like he, <laughs> he wrote it again. It. Yeah. And then he started writing other things. And yeah, I, was I like, hope wow. Charlie will type. I reckon that's the way forward for him. When Definitely. did um, when did Richard, when was the next, what? When was the next school he went to? When did he start going to a specialised school for Um, children with autism? So, I mean, after his nursery and everything else, he went to... We had moved house as well, so we had moved into um, Stamford Hill. So we were in North London at the time, just next door to Hackney. Um, Again, just purely for the purpose that the... um, we needed a bigger house, number one. And number two, they had really good autism provisions and stuff like that. Um... But anyway, he was going to a mainstream school up until he was seven. Okay. So up until really recently, he was at a mainstream school. And, you know, he had a a one-to-one person whom I thought was awesome as well. Probably was. Like, I'd like to keep that emotion that she was really good. Um, and so forth and so on. But it wasn't until he was seven years old when the um, teachers started giving us really like bad reports about him just not being able to learn. 
and um, they started talking about his behaviors. He would bite sometimes. He would kick. He would lash out sometimes, and so forth and so and, on. And everything that a normal school is is yeah. kind of very difficult for an autistic person in terms of like with. very loud. Yeah, of noises. Yeah, people are moving around really fast, <laughs> um, and they're just trying to drown out that sensory overload and how can you even focus on learning when you're trying Mm. to but I suppose because I was looking at myself so much and and comparing Richard to myself I thought he could do it I thought he was being trained in a way that he would be able to get over one day and um the school just wasn't prepared to hear that this time um and Richard's mum was kind of saying it's probably time that he went to a special school and I was like what is wrong with you guys he's fine um you know it kind of put me and Richard's mum in a position where you're suddenly at loggerheads and the uh the disagreement was too much you know we did decide together to send him to a a a specialist school he now goes to the garden center in Dalston uh, which is a really I've not good. I've heard of that one, that one actually. It's pretty new. It's um, as I say, he's been going there since he was seven. So so he's been there for three years now. Um, and you ha- are you happy with the progress he's making? Do you? Because I was I, I was I I was sort of I wanted Charlie to continue to be around neurotypical children because I yeah. thought that it was important for him to hear people having conversations, to see. So I was like, how is kind of surrounding him with other non-verbal autistic children going to help him? Yeah. But (laughs) that was my initial, you know, everything's fine. No, no, no. I felt the same, yeah. And then I realised when I went to this, when I went to these schools and I saw Charlie and he had an inset day and he was so happy, bounded in. You know, there was no noise. It was... Mm -hmm. um, five kids four teachers yeah yeah yeah, yeah and he yeah. was like smiling <laughs> and he was on the trampoline and i thought sure. this is right for you yeah, i i yeah. F- you know it might not be right for me but it's definitely right for you uh, definitely i thought the score was pretty awesome as well it was new at the time um it's still like awesome to look at and stuff like that and they got cool stuff in there as well yeah yeah, yeah. Like, charlie school's got like a massive like you know those massive soft play areas that you oh, go yeah, and it's yeah, got like yeah. one of them just for the kids <laughs> amazing well same same with Richard's school um they have they have children that stay on um on on site I suppose and they learn their um home economics yeah. their how to stay um hygienic I suppose yeah. how to iron your clothes how to prepare light meals and stuff like at that at Charlie's school they've got a kitchen and like a, a fake kitchen and they go yeah. in and because obviously for me now it's like seeing because um, Charlie's quite profoundly autistic and yeah. I, I you know I don't really mind if he doesn't know where all the countries in the world are now for me yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. important that he learns how to look after himself so tell me about Richard now what mm-hmm. are his obsession what does he love um, what's he like mm-hmm. well Richard loves anything electrical so phones tablets computers laptops um Touchscreens, anything with a touchscreen, he's amazing with. Um, he can obviously surf the internet and anything that he's interested in. He's into um, he's into train traveling, traveling on trains and stuff. So he downloads loads of simulators, maps out his routes. <laughs> Charlie loves trains. It's really on funny trains. because like he does transport training anyway. And he's always filming it. So when he comes home, he shows me his films of everywhere he's been. Like his one-to-one person at the moment is great. Um, 
at, at the garden center, but she obviously comes home with him sometimes and um, sets up, as I say, travel, um, training and, and different things, takes him horse riding or whatever else. And um, he really enjoys his time with her. It's only that when I'm in the room with her, he doesn't quite like her. Well, it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. It has to be the same every time. So, like, last year, for instance, um, I was taking him horse riding, but as part of my documentary, I was doing a show called Are You Autistic with Channel 4. Yes. And um, we took Richard horse riding just to show. And Debbie, who is his one-to-one, also came, and she was being really helpful. But she was trying to put on horse riding boots on him, and he just had a meltdown, would not allow her to help him in the slightest and it was like why is he doing this and I was trying to explain to her it's purely because I'm here and he wants me to do it instead he's almost a a teenager like he's about to be 11 or whatever so he's going through those stages of pushing the boundaries and seeing what he can get away with does he like music he loves music just like doesn't like my music very much I don't know why this is. I've been probably drumming Big Brothers into his ears since birth, so he's over it. But he does like old school music, so he listens to people like Keith Sweat. He listens to um, newer people like Crepton Conan. He does like a bit of Stormzy. A bit of Stormzy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's um, Western as well. He's into such like eclectic music that... I know his love of music comes from me, so I'm happy for that. Um, and I'm also hoping he picks up production. So I've like put Garage Band on his um, iPad and stuff to help him learn how to tinker with the stuff and make music. That's so cool. And, yeah. and it sounds like, um, <laughs> you know, because you're an inspiration to me because obviously you're, you know, your child is 10 now yeah. and you've had this diagnosis for quite a while. So, so it's almost, yeah. you know, it's, it never, those feelings of... Um, you know, those difficult feelings, they they never go away, but obviously they become your everyday, they become your new normal. You know, it was a warm moment. Like when I was at my son Caleb's school the other day um, and they were showing us all of his work and he had drawn a picture of his brother Richard and it says, but Richard can't talk. But if you can imagine, it's a four-year-old that's <laughs> drawn a picture of his brother, but he had to make sure that everybody knows that his brother has this issue, you know, has this uh, condition. So, yeah, yeah it's pretty I, cool. I tell people, it's, it's really interesting, though, how people, you know, how how people perceive autism. And even I thought this before I had Charlie, mm, you know, mm. that they're mostly um, high-functioning or they have social um, difficulties. But, yeah. you know, you kind of think, oh, I've seen Rain Man. They're all, yeah, yeah, yeah. They can, they're all really clever. Or they've got a special interest. <laughs> they've got a special... Um, you know, they've got there's an area in which they excel in, but actually, yeah. that's not all. Most isn't the case. No. And people say, you know, Charlie's five. He he looks absolutely perfect. Yeah, he walks yeah, yeah. in and they say, "Hello, little man. What mm-hmm. what would you like?" And he just stares at them. And I say, "Yes, yes, very he's much." Got, like he's myself. got autism and mm-hmm. he doesn't talk, but yeah. he can understand most everything you say. Yeah. And they're like, they just don't know <laughs> what to say. So my next question for you would yes. be when you tell people um, your son has autism, yeah. what would you want their reaction to be? What would I want their reaction to be? Um, if I let somebody know that my son has autism, I wouldn't want you to feel sorry for me or him. <laughs> we are very much normal people. Like, In fact, I feel sorrier for people that aren't me. <laughs> so, so with that, 
people with yeah, that being said. Yeah, life's richer knowing yeah. with Richard in your life. Absolutely, you know. So with that being said, I mean, knowing that my son has autism shouldn't make you feel any, you know, different about me. I shouldn't feel any different about you. I should be able to tell you my differences and for you to be able to adapt to them, and which means that... I would like to discuss getting more awareness around, you know, and probably give you all the information you need to be around my son. And when did you get your diagnosis? Have you recently been diagnosed? Or? Yeah, I was diagnosed when I was 38. So last year, April. How, why, like, when did you decide? Because obviously you said mm. you knew you potentially were on the spectrum when yeah. your son got the diagnosis. Again, I didn't think that any specialist would be able to see any autism in me. Um, my behaviours are pretty normal. I don't have meltdowns anymore. I can look in people's eyes, even though I kind of wander a bit. Um, so I was thinking, ah, this is a waste of time, but it's good for TV. So, like, <laughs> you know, I kind of wanted to go through the um, oh, yeah, diagnosis of course, process. Of course, yeah. And so forth and so on. Um, so I knew that I would be in touch with certain professors and stuff like Simon Baron Cohen that I've always wanted to talk to. And um, I've always wanted to go through the diagnosis uh, process anyway. So I agreed to do the, the, the show. Yeah, the Channel 4 Absolutely. But again, I wasn't thinking anything of it. I was just thinking it would be good uh, for the people at home who are also struggling yeah, with diagnosis yeah, to see what it's about. So like it was during the um, ear tests, eye tests, uh, sensitivity tests, like there were hundreds of them, but I was scoring above most autistic people. And they were like, no, let's, you know, we couldn't actually repeat any tests, but they were like, this cannot be correct. And I was like, no, it's right. I mean, I have ridiculously sensitive ears and I thought that's what made me a good musician, <laughs> you know. Probably and, is. And yeah. stuff like that. And they, you know, the the more and more tests we went through, I was just scoring ridiculously high. What you saw on the program was the light ones, you know, those were the ones that could be explained. And I was saying to people that over the years, I've had to develop certain um, systems in which to cope. If I can't handle things, like, what do I do? Instead of freaking out, I need to breathe. I need to take stock of my surroundings, my situation and deal. And, you know, over the years, I've become... You know, you wouldn't be able to tell if I was happy, sad, anything, unless I'm definitely smiling or definitely doing this or that. You know, I'm very much a stone-faced individual. So, like, again, I was scoring extremely high, but I'm still thinking, you, you can't tell that I'm autistic, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, it wasn't until I had um, some questionnaires that were discussing my childhood, then my parents had questionnaires to, to also fill out about my childhood. Okay, and that's interesting about your development as a small a, absolutely, child. Absolutely, because I wouldn't know yeah, what I was like as a child. So it had to be done by family members, and luckily my parents are still around to, to be able to fill them out for me. So it was on the basis of all of these tests that I was uh, given a diagnosis of Asperger's syndrome, from autism though I also have a thing called synesthesia so like when oh, I you think think in colours was it well I think in well very visually it depends on what I'm thinking about if I'm thinking about music it comes in coloured blocks it looks exactly like a computer does if you're making a production you know but if I'm thinking about like a film it looks like a film to me or whatever the case yeah, so. or like some for me like some like I have it I used to do scheduling for mm -hmm. um, 
shoots for right. TV. Yeah. And I would, people would be a colour to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> sorry, Peter, Andre, but you'd be like pink. Yeah. I don't know why, or like, you would be blue. And then right. I would like label, and like, it would be so clear that yes. colour would just suddenly come to me. Very like a greenish person. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you actually mm-hmm. is what you're doing at the moment with your music, where you are now, yeah. what's life looking like for future for J Rock? Um, I'm doing loads as usual. Um, I've been working in schools for the last couple of years, which has been interesting. I only work with um, ASD children as well. Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. didn't know that. So, again, because of my son's one to one and stuff like that, I thought they were awesome. I thought that, you know, they could so probably use to more do people. That? Yeah, 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 definitely. Oh, wow. So, I do that like Monday to Friday. Obviously, I'm off now, it's the summer holidays. But Imagine I do that. You're J Rock because you're one to one. I know, right? Like, I'm yeah. the most awesome, <laughs> awesome teacher ever. <laughs> so, so, you yeah. do that. So, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then you're still doing your music you're doing something Absolutely. in October aren't you You've yeah been... we're touring so you can catch us in a city near you in the UK from October then uh, loads and loads of gigs and then we're in um, Australia in February um, probably New Zealand, Dubai, and a lot of other countries wow. as well. Wow. So, yeah, still busy old J-Rock. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And like, I just I just want to say you are an inspiration to me and you speak thank about you. it with such elegance. You speak about your son with so much love and that, oh, yeah. for me, is the most important Definitely. thing that we do. We do celebrate these children because they can teach us so many things about ourselves. Definitely. And I think love is the best medicine. I mean, there is no cure for this condition. But if you're looking to put a smile on a little kid's face, just give them some love, give them some hugs, and they will be fine. Thank you so much. <laughs> no worries at all. <laughs> Autism is a spectrum condition. All autistic people share certain difficulties, but being autistic will affect them in different ways. Some autistic people also have learning disabilities, mental health issues, or other conditions, meaning people need different levels of support. All people on the autism spectrum learn and develop. With the right sort of support, all can be helped to live a more fulfilling life of their own choosing. For more information about autism, please visit the National Autistic Society website on autism.org.uk. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, maybe even write a little review and rate us. This podcast was created and produced by myself, Maisie Clayter, and recorded and edited by Kit Milsom. 